0: LGBTQAI2+, and I'm going to be telling you some others that we're adding to that probably very soon, what does every Christian need to know about the movement? Today we're going to talk to two individuals who were a part of that world, and now they speak from a position of love and truth into that world. I want to say welcome to all of you who are joining us from Facebook or YouTube or on our podcast, Listening Away There, or those of you watching the television show around the world. You're peering into the Creation Today community for one of our weekly conversations where we get equipped with science and with scripture so that we can know the truth and then go into the world and make the truth known. The Creation Today community is just a group of individuals who... We just want to be all that God has called us to be. So if you ever want to be part of our community, come on over to creationtoday.org. Now, since 1999 with then-President Bill Clinton, the month of June has been declared Gay Pride Month. It was actually a Jewish-born activist named Brenda Howard from New York that began organizing gay pride marches in 19... It was the 1970s. I don't remember exactly what year. That's what led to what we now call the Gay Pride Month. Now, I think we need to face it. The church has had a less than stellar reputation for responding to what was originally the Q movement that became the LGB movement, that became the LGBT movement, that became the LGBTQAI movement to what is now the LGBTQAI2 movement plus movement and i don't think we're done as i said adding letters we're going to be adding p and another b if things keep going in their current course so what does every christian need to know about the lgbtq ai2 plus movement how should christians answer questions how should we be responding to culture questions like well is god anti-gay should you attend a gay wedding where is the transgender movement going is it love really just love? Maybe you're wondering, does God love me if I'm gay? Or how do I talk to my kids about this subject? Well, as always, our goal in this conversation is to help you and others turn the stumbling blocks that keep people from seeing Jesus as the creator and the redeemer of mankind into stepping stones on your journey to know the truth. My guests today are Gary and Melissa Ingram. They run an organization called The Love and Truth network. They're based in Arizona. They frequent stages around the nation to help people understand how the church should be responding to the LGBTQ AI two plus movement. You're going to learn a lot from them today. Gary and Melissa, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks,
1: Eric. We're so happy to be here.
0: Yes. I, I am I've always been, since I met you guys several years ago, blown away by your ministry to the church, realizing it's difficult to get in the church, but it's so needed in the church. How is this? Well, first of all, give, give folks that are watching, give them the, the two minute summary of how your ministry came about. And then I wanna find out, how is it that, why, why are we not even allowed to talk about this? But let's start with your organization, just since some people may not be familiar with you guys.
1: Well, so back in 2013, we formed Love and Truth Network as a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization and I had been on staff with a church uh and my final role with them after in my 12 years of ministry was the pastor of soul care ministry so overseeing their support groups and recovery programs uh their lay counseling ministry and uh Melissa is a licensed christian counselor and it just in 2013 we began to realize um that god was giving me the boot out of my comfortable nest as a pastor and um and staff uh at a church to to really take out into the um nationally uh, into churches that were open to hearing and learning and growing, um, on issues of restoring sexual, but also relational wholeness. Um, how can we do that in a way that's more effective? And also how can we do that in a way that isn't just looking at the LGBT community or looking at people in the world and recognizing, look, um, they're living their lives pretty openly. We in the church have some serious issues. We're living in a lot of sexual sin, a lot of pornography addiction, a lot of even identity confusion in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's all it, it's it's mostly hidden unless there's some you know big explosion that we sometimes see by national leaders.
0: Wow! And I think even today we are seeing just recently in the last week seeing some things come out that um, are, are very very disheartening and very um, it's a t- it puts the church in a very very tough light to go wow there are hypocrites in leadership in the church as well and we need to own yes. that and say. Here's the truth. I, I keep saying, man, if we just open the doors and say, let the light in, let God's light in, that will be the disinfectant that we really need to be who God has called us to be. Um, all right, Melissa, as a counselor, uh, licensed Christian counselor, I'm tempted to just make this my own private session and say, let me just share my stories with you and talk to you. But you guys, you guys both came from a position of what you would call sexual brokenness and and is that something that were you raised right and ran away from the truth or did you did you did you just not have the truth growing up where, where, how did that come about
2: yeah that's a great question so i think both of our parents did the best that they knew mm-hmm. and they were both all, all four of them were broken in their own ways and so while i grew up in a religious family my parents' marriage was very broken. And I internalized a lot of that brokenness and really uh, came to believe that it was a liability that I was a woman. And so probably around the age of 12, I detached kind of from my femininity, became more masculine in my appearance. and But didn't really, I mean, none of that was conscious in a sense. And then I began to look for love and affirmation, Uh, that I didn't get from my dad in relationships with men. That was, of course, um, not satisfying. And in college began questioning my sexuality. So in a sense, my parents tried to raise me right, but they were so broken that it, it was lost in translation, I guess. And it wasn't until I kind of came to the end of myself and and the end of of me trying to meet my own needs that I recognize my need for Christ
0: so wow yeah Mm -hmm. I I know that a lot of times I have the tendency with my analytical brain to say okay guys what's the science behind this what what's what's making some people behave this you know can we bring it down to the science is this a is this a science thing is this an analytical thing or is this a spiritual thing
1: yeah, all of the above, Eric. I mean, it, it's we're we're uh, spirit, soul, and body. And uh too often uh the church is only focused historically, or I shouldn't say only, but largely focused historically on um, you know, sexual sin or whatever is being a spiritual issue, along with many other things. And the truth is it is a spiritual issue, no doubt, but it's also a uh, biological issue, it's a neurological issue. Mm. Uh our brains adapt to uh to the to the stimulus we give it, and and when Uh, there's pleasure chemicals released and et cetera Um, those those can tend to be whether it's a chemical that we're ingesting or it's a chemical that we're releasing through uh, sexual connection or orgasm or whatever um, those can become really addictive uh, behaviors uh, that we keep going back to over and over again as a way of coping with life as a way of escaping, as a way of, um, of just trying to, to uh, regain some kind of emotional equilibrium uh, in our lives. So it's, it's really all of the above. Wow.
2: And I would add that on the biological front, personality and temperament really do play a big part mm-hmm. in how children um, respond to their environment. And so is it nature or nurture? Well, it's both. And so I have an identical twin sister, and uh, so we obviously grew up in the same environment, but personality-wise, she was a lot more of a um, a peacemaker, and, and so she's never struggled with same-sex attraction or anything like that. She had some of that heterosexual brokenness, but uh, so it's just so fascinating to me how Two people that are genetically identical growing up in the same environment um, have some similarities, but then some major differences. And, and so I believe, and we've seen that that temperament and personality also have a part to play.
0: That's it. So y- your home was, was literally a science experiment to... Go, tw- twin sisters i mean this is like the ideal place to to start and go okay well what's really what's mm-hmm. leading somebody down a certain path or another path that's fascinating
1: and and also i melissa's story with her sister is not an anomaly i mean twin studies identical twin studies have been done on many many levels and for various reasons and and really those twin studies do support the reality that um that homosexuality uh transgenderism uh, that these things are not determinative uh, they you know if if they were, then you'd be looking at identical twins in the upper upper ninety percentile where both uh siblings are are same sex attracted or um uh, gay identified or uh, trans or whatever and the and the numbers don't even come close to any anywhere near that.
0: so the science is clear this is not something you're born with,
1: yeah, I mean, we would say uh, mm-hmm. we believe that to be true. The other thing I would say though. Um, as a bookmark to that is it really is of no benefit whatsoever for Christians to get into the argument with people who feel like they were born this way, because I certainly felt like that at one time Mm -hmm. um, and believed that to be true. No arguments are going to be won by people saying, oh, that's just simply simply scientifically not true. Um, I think we can we when opportunity arises, we can we can communicate things like even Dr. Lisa Diamond's work, you know, who is a a lesbian um, researcher Uh, who's certainly wildly pro-LGBTQ, her her work on sexual fluidity, uh, even from that perspective, really uncovers the reality that, no, people do actually shift and it's not by her own words, uh, it's not immutable, we're not born that way, and it's it's not fixed and unchangeable. Um, However, Uh, We're not going to win arguments that way. I think we really have to uh, come from the basis. One of our taglines is leading with love anchored in truth Mm -hmm. as a ministry. And I think that Mm -hmm. we do have to, as Christians, really anchor ourselves in the truth of God's word, but make sure that we're leading with love and love. We're not saying divorce love from truth or truth from love. You have to have both. But I think you can lead with the one. And again, realize we're not just going to win an argument here. We need the Holy Spirit to shine the light of truth into someone's heart.
0: I was listening to a sermon by Vodibacum, and he quoted Mark Stein. When Mark Stein said, "In the old days, there was sodomy, an act. In the late nineteenth uh, century, the the word homosexuality was coined, which was a condition. And then a generation ago, the accepted term became gay, which is an identity. And each each formulation raised the stakes for how one can object to." Uh, and even criminalize an act, you're obligated to be a little bit sympathetic towards a condition. But once it's an identity, a 24-7 identity, anything less than a wholehearted acceptance gets you marked as a bigot because they see it as who they are. How does Love and Truth Network talk about that?
2: What we try to communicate is that it's not loving To lie, (laughs) I mean, it's not loving to um pat somebody on the back all the way to hell, right? And 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 we would also say that um, the most important thing is that a person has a relationship with Jesus Christ, and if they're living in a pattern of sin, whatever that sin is, then I mean, we would wonder, not only is Jesus a uh, savior, like maybe they've prayed a prayer to avoid going to hell, but is he actually Lord of their life? And so, um, so we just say, look, it's not loving to withhold the truth um, from them. And so we've just kind of made a commitment that in any opportunity that we have, we're going to speak the love, speak the truth in love, because there are going to be plenty of other people patting that person on the back hmm. or um and 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 they're trying to be loving, but actually they're not helping. And so I don't know if that answers the question, but that it know, certainly you know, helps. i'm
0: yeah. I'm just wondering as you answer, Gary, I'm wondering, okay, so how how, give the christians watching this some advice on how to do that what does it look like to hey listen i'm not not compromising because we've seen a lot of people we've seen that we've seen we've seen everything from the church accept it to say it's normal it's okay god's okay with it to the church hold up signs that says god hates fags so we've seen every gamut where's the right where do we need to be to to balance love and truth to, to do what jesus did so well
1: yeah. And to be clear, I mean, we despise uh, the behavior of people who call themselves Christians and then are out there um, saying that God hates fags and God, uh, you know, wishing people to die of AIDS and those kinds of things. That's a horrible thing uh, that uh, is represented by so-called Christians. I, I would question, you know, their Christianity as much as anybody else's, honestly. Mm-hmm. And but to back up just for a second, when Melissa talked about Um, Patting someone on their back right into hell what we're talking about that that has nothing to do with whether somebody um, is struggling with homosexuality or gay identified or any of that we're just talking about in general like. Uh, to to tell somebody that they're doing well, to tell somebody well, if a doctor knows that somebody has stage four cancer and there's a treatment for it, or stage three cancer and there's a treatment for it, and then to turn around and say, you know what, you're doing really well. I'm not sure what this is all about, but uh, you know, we'll look at some other. Let's run some more tests. If you know what's going on with that person and you refuse to tell them that's not yeah. loving. Uh it may seem mm-hmm. nice in the moment. They're not worried or upset perhaps or or their their concerns are alleviated but there what you're doing is you're preparing them for some massive concerns down the road. So that's what we have mm-hmm. some big concerns about. But I it, so from the for the church's perspective, we really believe that um regardless of the issue that someone is experiencing, uh and Melissa said, they need Jesus, but they also need relationship with yes. us. We need relationship mm-hmm. with them. We need relationship with one another. And so how can we invite people uh into you know those relationships with us? How I think we need to be doing a lot more of inviting people out to, you know, brand new people at church, you know, or out to lunch afterward and uh or setting up a time to connect with them uh over coffee or something and <clears throat> just doing life together with them or starting that conversation off on the basis of relationship yes. and a great way to begin. Kind of once you get through some of the the basic niceties or whatever, but a great way to begin is to ask somebody their story. You know, you can do that in a non-threatening way. You can also do that in a way that, hey, I'd be, I'm, I'm really a pretty open book and happy to share anything, uh, you know, about my life with you if you have interest. But I'd love to know a little bit more about your story. That really fascinates me, um, and and I like to know people a little bit more deeply in some of their history. And then just you know, let them share without without being poised. To correct them about some theological error or whatever, but you're just getting to know them, you're just Mm -hmm. listening, you're getting a sense of where they're coming from. And I think that really is the beginning Mm -hmm. of earning the right on some level uh, to perhaps speak into their life when God gives the opportunity.
0: That's a that's a great, great way to put it. That's good, good advice, guys. If you're listening and you're in church. That's good advice. If you're not in church, boy, you need to be part of the body of Christ. You really do need to. Do- He's like, there's a bunch of hypocrites. I know. I know you'll be one of them in some area, too, but uh, <laughs> come on over. we will take you. Hey, okay, the big questions that the church wants to ask, you know, is God anti-gay? Should Christians attend a gay wedding? Um, things like like, how do you guys respond to those? I mean, you're, in my opinion, you're kind of like the experts that, You've been there, done that. You're speaking the truth in love. Now you deal with this all the time. Can you give us some advice there? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. So first of all, God is anti-sin.
0: That God, that's is, what I was
1: gonna say. God is anti-hell. <laughs> God is anti-death and, uh, and God is, um, is for he's pro human thriving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he knows that human thriving happens best when we are in alignment with him, when we are functioning according to the designer's. Uh, created purpose, Mm. those are the things that cause us to thrive. And so God despises the things that actually cause us harm. And unfortunately, all too often, just like perhaps a little child that that uh isn't aware of his or her surroundings isn't aware of the danger that's around him or her uh wants to play in a particular area and is really irritated that the parent doesn't want them there uh knowing we know know something more than what they do well how much more does god know and and uh and does not want us um playing <clears throat> in uh in satan's playground uh and and also just going off into our fleshly pursuits so, so no, God, God isn't any more anti-gay than he is anti-sin in any other area of life, uh, anti-adultery, anti-fornication. He didn't create us for those purposes either. And so, and, or anti-lying or anti-gossip. Um, uh, it certainly, he would feel that way. Actually, um, you know, his idea in Proverbs six sixteen through 19, he lists a number of things, six things. It says six, there are six things that God hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And the last thing on that list Are those who spread strife amongst the brethren Mm -hmm. how much does that go on in the church and god refers to that as an abomination so yeah god god is pro what causes human flourishing through relationship and connectedness with
2: himself Mm -hmm. wow yes
0: i as melissa i'm I'm like yep you nailed it yep that that was it god is anti-old nature he is pro new nature he wants you to be born again. He wants you to be, man, that is a great And then, By the question. way,
1: he's the one that did something about it. I mean, you know, as much as he is against sin and against uh, the the destruction of humanity, he himself came and provided the sacrifice and provided the, the, the pathway of life for us. And so he's done everything for us and just calls us into that place of surrender to his, to who he is as savior. And as Melissa said, as he, who he is as Lord.
2: Yes. Wow. And that, I mean, that, that sacrifice, that grace is costly. Mm. It cost God everything. And so to follow Jesus is hard. And he said, he said that to follow me, you need to take up your cross and, and to die to ourselves. And that is, is not the message that most people are hearing today. They think they can have, you know, a nice loving sort of God and also have whatever else it is that they want and God's cool with that. Um, When in reality, um, he gave everything uh, to be reconciled, um, for us to be reconciled to him. Mm -hmm. And going back to the question about you know, gay weddings or, or things like that, um, we often get this question from parents or other family members when their child or relative is has invited them um, to a wedding of some sort. And our conviction is that because at a wedding, the witnesses are basically agreeing that they're going to do everything within their power to to help this couple succeed. Um, We believe marriage was God's design. It's God's plan for one man and one woman forever. And so as a matter of conscience, we would not be able to attend um, a gay wedding or, uh, you know, in that way. Um,
0: And and, and this is interesting to me because you guys, Melissa, you were, you had same-sex attraction as a lesbian gary you i me- you you told me your testimony before of you thought man that the, the the gay bars and the nightclubs there were that was where acceptance was going to be found and you guys were attracted to that and lived that and came out of that and you guys are saying as a matter of conscience knowing that i am there supporting this union saying i will be held responsible to try to help keep this together that that's the reason for it we we can't go we can't even go
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and so the i mean as melissa said uh, it uh it's not even just that we believe that um marriage is god's idea we know that marriage is god's idea from genesis i mean from other parts of, of scripture um <clears throat> jesus in matthew 19 affirms two genders not however many that we are kind of looking at today, he affirms that God created two genders and he affirms that marriage is for one man and one woman. And so Jesus does speak by by only affirming that union of, of marriage and sexual union and those two genders, Jesus really nullifies everything outside of that. <clears throat> and so um, be, and also we know from Ephesians that, uh, that marriage is God's great metaphor for uh, Christ and the church. And so there's profound spiritual reality and connotation beyond what we can even, I think, fathom, uh, with our finite understanding. Mm. And so the, there's a number of reasons why, uh, there that's one of them. Uh, I, I am certainly not wanting to stand against, uh, you know, two, two people of the same sex wanting to be, if, if they choose to be in relationship with one another and, and they're dealing with, um, hospital situations or emergency situations, they've been living together for a long time. I certainly don't think, I certainly think they have a right to be present for the other and to make decisions for the other and all that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> but when it comes to marriage being a spiritual covenantal, mm-hmm. um, union of, of one flesh, I don't believe at all that we can take two aspects of the same gender. to the same sex, which I, those words in, are interchangeable, gender and sex, the, um, that you can take two aspects of the same image of God as as two men and two two aspects of the same image of God in women, and bring them together and say that it's a one flesh union. Um, we we act that out. But God's intentions, we bring the different aspects of His um, of His image, male and female, together in that union, which can is the only union that can produce life, mm. um, and also the other. So when we attend uh, a, a wedding, I, first of all, that is not from God's perspective. That is not a a spiritually blessed union. Um, it, that is not something that that is that can um, can ever be made right in that relationship. And so um, to attend that and to add our our celebration and our seal Mm -hmm. of approval by attending and also by others seeing our attendance um, and and assuming that that's what we're doing. I think it brings confusion to the individuals who want us to be there. um, And it also brings confusion to those who are there. I think it also provides us if we have the courage and and we need to, to sit down with the person who's inviting us and to explain in a loving way um, and maybe with tears, um how much we don't want to damage the relationship we have with them but these are the reasons mm-hmm. i care i actually love you too much to come
2: mm-hmm. wow. uh,
1: not that i oh I, you know not because i love you too little but i love you too much to actually be a part of this because i know it's taking you in a direction that is actually moving you further away from god not further close not closer to god
0: yes wow that is, that is that is a powerful thought so at the end of the day Gary, what you just—our ministry is called Creation today because we believe creation is incredibly relevant today. And everything you just said goes—you know what? You need to know what Christians need to know. They need to know the truth, and then they need to stand on the truth. And and everything you just said—I just sit here and I, I sit back and I go, it sounds like as long as you've got the truth, you're good to go. Know the truth and make the truth known. That's exactly what God wants us to do, and it's exactly what we're called to do, and it's exactly what you as a Christian, guys you need to do you need to know the truth make the truth known but you can make the truth known in a loving or an unloving way and and gary and melissa and i would agree would say do it with love so- can i add one
1: i think a critical caveat i've known a couple of people who have gone to a, a wedding um a celebration of of two uh gay individuals and they they prayed about it earnestly they labored over it earnestly and, and because of in, in a case I'm thinking of because of some mental health issues with with the, the one uh, person who was getting married and the connection they had with them they sat down and did have that hard conversation and they explained, Honey, if you this was a, a girl at the time uh, and an older woman that was kind of like aunt an, an, uh, kind of figure. And she said, I these are the reasons I cannot celebrate this with you. And I love again, I love you too much to uh, to to add my celebration or to be confusing to you about this. But this person had, had dealt with some suicidal ideation and and um, and even attempts. And so the aunt felt like she needed to have this conversation and and um and she said look if you understand that I'm coming because I love you and I'm supporting not what you're doing I'm I'm here for you I'm going to be praying that God gets a hold of your life I'm going to be praying and I'm going to be here for you regardless but I'm here for you if if things fall apart um but I will come if you understand that i am i cannot celebrate my heart's going to grieve actually um that that you're moving mm. further i think away from god and and the the person that invited her said yes i still would like you to come i know you can't celebrate it i know that that's not why you're there and i think that when um i i the sad thing to me is that many Christians I know aren't having those kinds of hard conversations, right. Right. Um, and they're they're just hoping some other family member winds up dying and, a, and the funeral falls on the same day, so they don't have to – they haven't reason for not being there. <laughs> no, that's a little bit of a joke. Uh, no, but, but you're but right. That's,
0: a, that's, a that's about how bad it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I, I think I, – I do think that we have to have grace for one another where we really feel like, no, I have – really labored in prayer over this. And I feel like God for some specific reason is saying, I want you there for some reason. Um, I think we have to have that grace for one another to to hear that or sense that from God.
2: Right. And we've also known Christians who they didn't pray about it. It was like, oh, we've been friends for a long time with this couple and they're finally getting married. And of course we're going. Like they hadn't even, they didn't even think to say no, because of course they love them. And our, our, I don't even know how much we admonish them or not. We didn't admonish. That's not the wrong word. Our exhortation in that situation would be as maybe the only Christians in this couple's life, you're the only speed bump standing in the way of, uh, right. Of them continuing down this path as Gary's already so eloquently stated away from God. And so to not even consider not going like it wasn't even a thought. And, and that just really uh, mystified us. Um, and I think that's where a lot of Christians find themselves. Well, it's the loving thing to go and, you know, see what we said earlier about it's not loving to yeah. um, <laughs> withhold the
0: truth. So true. I want to ask you guys about where you guys think the transgender movement is going. I got a couple ideas on some letters that I think we need to add to that or will be added to that. And Probably accepted really soon. I want to ask you guys about that. And then I want to ask you guys about your own personal struggles. Uh, but before we do that, hey, Facebook, social media, uh, podcast listeners, and uh creation today show uh viewers, I just I have to let you guys go now. I want to say thank you for for peering into this community. What every Christian really needs to know, I'm glad we already got to kind of the crux of it. You need to know the truth. And you need to know I love what Gary said at the beginning and what Melissa said at the beginning. The gospel is still the answer. The 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 gospel is what we need to be about. And so Jesus came and he said to his disciples, love one another. This is how you'll know, that you're, that, uh, how others will know that you're my disciple. Have love one for another. And it's loving to tell the truth. So do that in love and mm. and and create those relationships. Um, Gary, I'd love to get into more of the, the, how the mind works and how the dopamine works and how the, what they're really seeking is the same thing you guys were seeking was, was, was acceptance. And so when you thought acceptance was going to be here, you walked down that road and then you found out after kind of getting in the room, so to speak, wasn't exactly as accepting as you were hoping it would be. Uh, but anyway, guys, I gotta let you, I gotta let you, Gary and Melissa, thank you. By the way, you need to go to their website. Some of you have churches that need to have them come minister to your church so your church can understand this better. Uh, their, their ministry is Love and Truth Network, and I'm blank. Is it loveandtruthnetwork.org? It's com. Com, dot it com. is dot com. Okay, I never get those two right. All right, loveandtruthnetwork.com. You need to check out the work that they've done. What's, what's one resource that you guys have that if somebody could get, you'd say, at least get this to help understand this better?
1: well we did put together a a dvd series of a summit that we did about six hours of teaching eight different uh workshops topics general sessions and so that's available on our website it's called sexuality and the church
0: wow guys i'm telling you get get this for your church have have leaders have small groups go through this to help you guys understand as a body how we need what we need to know and then how we need to implement that into the world i think i think it just really really helped the church we like I said, we haven't done a great job. We need to do better. Um, hey, look forward to having you guys on with me next week. Uh, it's going to be a great conversation. But uh, until then, thank you guys for peering into the Creation Today community. I'm going to continue with with uh, Gary and Melissa and and ask them some more questions about uh, the transgender movement, where it's going, personal lives, and ministry. Where where do you guys think this trend, Where has it come from, and where is it going? I mean, to see the the pace at which things exploded just in the last five to seven maybe eight years blows my mind where where do you think we're heading what do you guys see on the horizon as you study the scripture and you see what's going on in the world